Hello and welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and I'm the founder of PCOS Diva. And my mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. This podcast is sponsored by my new book, Healing PCOS, a 21-day plan that takes you step-by-step through healing and thriving with PCOS. It's all in there waiting for you, beginning with the three keys to living your best life as a PCOS diva. For more details, visit HealingPCOS.com. Recently, I had Dr. Laura Bryden on the podcast. I think if for your reference, it's podcast number 80. And we talked about how PCOS shouldn't be painful. And if you are having pelvic pain associated with PCOS, there's probably something else going on. And Dr. Bryden mentioned endometriosis. So endometriosis and polycystic ovary syndrome there's some symptoms that can kind of overlap and there's some confusion around the two. And so I wanted to sort of demystify that today. I think that um, this sort of confusion can often cause diagnosis delays and months, if not years of unnecessary pain and suffering. It's estimated that around 10% of women of childbearing age will suffer from endometriosis, and it's kind of interesting that you know, the, the common um, ratio of, of women with PCOS is also 10%. So let's kind of uncover sort of the facts from the fiction about endometriosis today. And in order to do that, I invited one of my favorite endometrius, endometriosis experts, Melissa Turner, she is one of the most powerful voices for women with endometriosis, and we share a very similar message of hope, you know, with me in the PCOS community and, and Melissa in the endometriosis community, and she uses her REACH technique to help women and to kind of regain that sense of hope and possibility. Through her international recognition and collaborations, she has transformed the lives of thousands of women around the world to discover a deeper level of understanding and about endometriosis and how to treat it naturally. And you can find her on endoempowered.com. So welcome, Melissa, to the PTSD. Thank PCSD you so much. Yeah, great thanks. to have you. So why don't you um, start by kind of describing some of the symptoms of endometriosis and you know, some, I'm sure some women, you know, are going to start listening and kind of checking off of the, those um, symptoms like a checklist. And then we can kind of go into how do you get a diagnosis? Okay, so some of the most common symptoms are related to pain. So any kind of pain in the abdominal area, and this can be pain on a daily basis in some cases. It could be pain before your period, during your period, after your period. Typically what you see with endometriosis, however, is that there is more of a deeper pain. It is often felt during sex, so um, particularly with any kind of deep penetrative type of sex, a woman will often experience pain then. It can also be during 
if if they you know just going to the toilet that can cause pain because there may be sort of tightness feeling in the abdominal area so those are sort of the most common symptoms but not all women with endometriosis experience pain and so this is where it can often be quite confusing now what i've noticed is that there are a lot of kind of what I call associated symptoms with endometriosis. And some of these are, you'll probably pick them up um, with liver conditions or liver, you know, the liver sort of struggling. And one of the common ones is estrogen dominance. So these are symptoms where essentially the body has too much estrogen and it doesn't have the ability to flush it out effectively. And there's things like, you know, bloating, there's, um, you know, having... PMS type symptoms, so being quite moody, you know, maybe having outbreaks, um, having a shift in your digestive system just before your period or around that time. So some women experience more constipation, some women experience um, more looser stools. Um, and a lot of the sort of associated symptoms like, you know, skin sensitivity, food sensitivity, having uh, just uh, so skin reactions like um, having breakouts a lot, particularly around the period um, time, those kind of associated symptoms. Um, and I've also noticed thyroid conditions, having um, like inflammatory responses in the body. So even something as simple as tight shoulders, particularly around the period time, you know, those are kind of associated symptoms. So I think that commonality between PCOS and endometriosis sort of lies in that estrogen dominance. Um, Definitely, yeah. yeah. The tricky part is that endometriosis is not just a hormone-based condition, and this is where there's a lot of information around estrogen dominance and the link between estrogen dominance and endometriosis. And so a lot of women go down the track of, okay, well, I have estrogen dominance. Let me try and address that as a main focus and so this is where you get ideas around oh let's go on the contraceptive pill like a progesterone only pill or let's take progesterone creams or mm -hmm. even trying different hormone-based treatments all natural of course but the focus is on hormone imbalance now i don't believe that endometriosis is solely a hormone imbalance base but that is to me not the root cause of endometriosis to me that is a symptom and so though we address that, the, the deeper focus is on well, why is there a hormone imbalance to begin with? And mm -hmm. I believe it relates very closely to the liver and ultimately the liver's inability to flush out those excess estrogens. Oh, um, that makes a lot of done. sense. And what yeah. about, what about um, the role inflammation plays? Well, this is the thing. So the three areas that we focus on when we, when we treat endometriosis naturally is Hormone imbalance, obviously, is a factor. Then we look at inflammation as a factor and ultimately autoimmune. So the autoimmune yeah. role, obviously, there's overlap with all of this. So inflammation in the body is going to cause estrogen to, to flare up as well. Obviously, autoimmune is also going to, you know, it, it reveals itself with an inflammatory response. Now, there was a study done on rhesus monkeys where they showed that monkeys given dioxin which is a key ingredient in roundup developed endometriosis 
and this study to me was really a huge eye-opener and trigger point for saying, hang on a second, endometriosis is not just about hormones. There is a toxin contributor here, and that toxin is ultimately going to thereby create that autoimmune response, which trickles down into inflammation and then hormone imbalance. Wow, that's really fascinating. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of the studies that have been done with women with PCOS where, you know, we have elevated levels of BPA and PFOAs um, in our blood and, you know, it is, could be a contributor to PCOS symptoms. And so there's like this environmental um, root cause as well. Oh, definitely. I have no doubt that a lot of the conditions that women experience these days is largely attributed to that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're um, resonating with some of these symptoms, I mean, I know a lot of them sort of overlap PCOS, but, um, you know, if you're having the pain, uh, how do you get a diagnosis? I I understand it's pretty difficult to diagnose endometriosis. It is very difficult to diagnose, and it's a bit of a catch-22. I know that Dot Lab is looking at a saliva test using biomarkers. I'm yet to look into the details of that fully to determine how effective that is. Um, the, at this stage, the only 100% way of knowing is to have surgery. Right. But to me, that's slightly contradictory because surgery brings with it inflammatory responses in the body. So what you could inevitably be doing is actually triggering more of the endometriosis growth just by having the surgery without touching anything. Uh, there's a lot of debate around surgery, type of surgery done with endometriosis. Some, you know, there's a lot of surgeons saying that excision surgery is the only form of surgery to have, to have it, you know, removed, believing that it is 100% effective. I have not seen that at all. Um, women come to me, unfortunately, at the end of their journey, and I wish they would find me at the beginning of their journey, but they come to me at the end when they've exhausted all possibilities, they've had the excision surgery, they've had, you know, some of the most horrendous stories, as I'm sure you've heard too, Um, but, you know, if, if women come to me and they say, I've had excision surgery more than once, I'm unfortunately going to be doubtful as to its effectiveness. Uh, and I don't know how these surgeons get these claims or, or where they, they get their data, whether they follow up with patients afterwards or not. But um, my, my insight on that has not been, you know, that it is 100%. Um, I guess to me, it's, it's also how you look at the body. You know, to me, just cutting things out isn't resolving the reason why it developed in the first place Mm. and you know yes there's a lot of discussion around well perhaps a genetic component to it but that doesn't explain why not every woman who has a sister or a mother you know not all women have endometriosis and my sister doesn't have it and and you know I I don't know if you've looked at, at sort of work around genetics but they can be activated or deactivated depending on how you treat your body. And it's about creating the right environment for that or against that. (laughs) So, you know, I believe if you've been exposed to toxins, you've, you know, perhaps not supported your body in the best way, then it creates an unpleasant environment. And that's where then that could be a trigger. You know, obviously these are all 
questionable things and and i've had so many different theories on endometriosis uh there's lots of factors that come into it it's not a single thing it's not yes that's definitely what causes it there's lots of layers to the condition but i certainly believe there's a huge link with liver health and endometriosis yeah i I just think as you're talking and i'm listening to you there's just so many parallels with pcos and one one thing that sort of popped in my mind in particular with these women that are having surgery i think so many times as women we take what our doctor says like face value without kind of doing our own investigation and we take we kind of hand over our power and you know I I know I did that early on in my journey I mean I was taking like lots of different um, pharmaceutical drugs including one Mm. of them was Actos which now can cause bladder it's like black label for um, bladder cancer and Mm. I mean I just took it because I thought you know the doc the doctor um, knows best. And mm-hmm. sometimes I think that's not always the case. I mean, it certainly can be, but, um, I think when we hand over our power, we sort of become kind of a victim of oh, the, totally. the, the, um, syndrome, the disease, whatever, whatever it may be. But when we can kind of, um, inform ourselves and with, podcasts and and online um information from from sites like your uh, yours endo empowered then we there's so many things that we realize we can do that's within our control and that's what i'd like to talk about now like so if somebody's comes to you is really suffering with with some of the symptoms that you mentioned where do you start um the healing process Yeah, so the first thing, I guess, is looking at the mental side of it. There is so much shame around endometriosis. There's Mm. a huge amount of shame. Um, Women feeling dirty, and they don't want to talk about it. It's, you know, it's amazing how many women I attract from the Indian community because I think there's just, they don't talk about periods and don't talk about, you know, anything to do with your private parts is just not something you talk about. So Mm -hmm. one of the key things we offer is a support group where women can come in. It's, you know, they can share whatever they want. You know, there's no (laughs) TMI as they, you know, as you know. Um, And, and that's, a, a very supportive space and people don't get shunned on if they ask a question about, you know, anything really it's, it's, you know, it's a very welcome space and I've, it's taken many years to get to that, to be honest. I mean, in the beginning we'd get all sorts of things in that were not appropriate and, and uh, you know, you have to kind of check in on it and make sure it still falls in line with, with the whole idea behind Endo Empowered. So what we aim to do is, not to tell a woman what to do. Um, I think that came out of my own sort of dislike of being told what to do. <laughs> so even my program, it doesn't tell a woman what to do. It's here's the information, here's the research, here's everything you need to know. Now you get to go and decide. If you mm-hmm. agree with what I've shared with you, fabulous, then I'm sure you'll find it easy to implement. But if you don't, it's up to you whether you do it or not. So it's quite a different approach to a lot of doctors and surgeons who almost have this kind of, you know, we, we place this 
almost, they must know everything. They're the experts. And I always say to women, well, you are the expert of your own body. And if something doesn't feel right, whether it's physically or whether it's emotionally, you just don't feel right about having, say, for hysterectomies. You know, I get so many emails from women saying, I've had enough. I don't know what to do. I just want to have a hysterectomy. And A, it's no guarantee because endometriosis spreads outside of the uterus. So having the uterus removed actually makes no sense. (laughs) Um, But secondly, it's, it's so drastic. And it's such a huge part of being a woman. Right. And, you know, and yet they feel so desperate and so wanting to get rid of the pain that they feel that that is their only option. And I totally get that because I was there too in my 20s. I went to my surgeon and I said, just take it all out. I've had enough. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And I felt so like I had no choice. And I think that's the key reason I created Endo Empowered is I want to show women that there is a choice. There is a way that you can look after your body that is in your control. Because I think for me, I felt so powerless all the time. You know, I'd go to my doctor and I'd be like, I'm in so much pain. What can you do? And he'd be like, well, there's all these hormone treatments, but they have a bunch of side effects. So it's kind of a toss up as to which side effects you want to deal with, you know. Or, oh, well, all I can give you is stronger painkillers. And I literally, I mean, I was like, you know, addicted to the things because, I mean, sometimes I wasn't even in pain. I would just take them to potentially prevent pain. (laughs) And I got immune to them almost. Like they just didn't have the same effect anymore because I was taking so many of them. Um, And I think that's the thing with, with Endo Empowered is it's about, okay, well, have I considered cutting out gluten? Let me, let me see if there's any benefit to this and see if it makes a difference. You know, so that's a simple example, but it's like that is within your control. You can decide, okay, I'm going to not have bread for a month or, you know, cut out the pasta and all these things that I currently eat for a month and see if it makes a difference. At the end of that month, if I still feel you know, pain and all those things, then okay, maybe it isn't gluten. But the opportunity is within our power to do so. And it's taking back that power and saying, well, I have full control of what I put in my mouth. And I can see whether that how that reacts in my body. That is totally within our own power. And that to me is super empowering. You know, you're not reliant on somebody else, you can decide what you do for yourself. Yeah, uh, you know, and that's, that's my philosophy as well. I know um, I had a client that called PCOS like this just one big science experiment. And it does take a lot of experimenting with diet and lifestyle and supplements and um, even mindset. You know, how, how do you, you view yourself and um, the syndrome? So there's, there's so many things that can really move the needle, I think. So I'm just curious, did, um, if you don't mind me asking, did you end up getting the hysterectomy? No. 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 Okay. Well, he, he talked me out of it, actually. He tried to get me to because um, a lot of the doctors still believe that if you get pregnant, then this is going to solve the problem. But I was in my 20s. I had no concept of getting pregnant at that stage. I was single, (laughs) traveling the world. You know, it wasn't even an idea. Um, So he believed that if a woman got pregnant, it would fix everything. 
Um, but obviously that is also not true. So that's another myth around endometriosis. Um, no, I, I carried on. I had seven surgeries in the end. Um, by the seventh surgery, I just woke up afterwards and just went, no more. Yeah. My body can't do any more of this. I've had enough. I'm you know, physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted. I can't keep treating my body this way and decided that I had to do something different. It's so, taken a very, very long time to actually implement everything. And that's why I say to women, you know, it, it's a journey. It's mm-hmm. not something that's going to fix in a month. This is mm-hmm. not a, you know, you've got to consider that your body's been going through this for a number of years and you can't expect it to turn over, you know, in a few months. Um, so, yeah, but it took me seven years to finally get to a place where I don't experience pain or symptoms any sort with, you know, having endometriosis and I've had, you know, without physically having a surgery to validate that I've had a number of experts validate that I don't have endometriosis. Um, you know, it would be silly for me to have a surgery to prove that. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, and I think, um, same with PCOS that it's, you know, I call it sort of this healing continuum, you know, you yeah. have to, there's no kind of point in the future where I think you can really truly say I've been healed as if you go revert back to your old lifestyle. So exactly. you yeah. have to kind of continue this journey um, throughout your life. And I'm, I'm thinking that it's probably similar with it endometriosis too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's why it's, it's called managing endometriosis, mm-hmm. but the amount of women who have followed my technique, uh, the REACH technique, which I'll, I'll tap into shortly, they follow it, they implement it, and they don't have pain anymore. I mean, it's amazing to see the transformations of some of these women. I had one woman who, she was a singer, and she had such severe pain, it was daily pain, that it really inhibited what she could do with her life. You know, she she could you know, do a few hours and then she would just be like, oh, no, I'm in too much pain. I can't even focus. I can't even sit here playing. You know, I have to go and lie down. And she followed my advice. And now she's, you know, this, she's done amazing things. She's touring. She's, you know, being doing these huge performances. And it's just like, a, like un- unveiling somebody's abilities and unveiling their potential. You know, it's, it's so beyond just, oh, I don't want to have pain anymore or I really want to get pregnant. It's, it's so much more beyond that because it's suddenly you don't have this restriction in your life anymore. And that's the thing that I think women underestimate. It's, yes, you know, you could, you could just take some painkillers and, yes, that in some cases doesn't even work, as in, you know, like with me. Um, but it's not about that. It's about this thing that sits in you. That's it's this thing that's always there that reminds you that I can't do certain things. And that to me was what I hated so much because I'm, I'm very much about freedom and being able to do anything. And so, you know, silly things like I couldn't bounce, you know, like I can't, couldn't bounce on a trampoline. It was such, such a simple thing that I couldn't do because the bouncing action tugs on adhesions with endometriosis and adhesions stick to organs. And so you can imagine it's like, you know, having something sticky between organs instead of them gliding over each other, they pull on each other. And so when you're bouncing, I mean, that it, there's quite an extreme action of that. 
And so I'd be in pain for days afterwards because of that. Whereas now I'm like, awesome. <laughs> I just want to bounce for the sake of it because I can, not because I particularly, you know, it's like, it's kind of fun, but you know, it's, it's more that I can and things like running I couldn't do. And, you know, it's, it's the ability to do anything that you want. And, and that to me is really the bigger picture of it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I completely agree with you and, I think with the work that you do and the work that I do, I mean, it's, I think it's our, our calling and our purpose, mm-hmm. right? And, and I see it as then you're helping women move beyond the pain and struggle of the, the PCOS, the endometriosis, so they can go on and live their soul's calling. You know, it's exactly. really, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So let's let's talk about your reach um, technique, and I'm I'm dying to know how you were able to manage your endometriosis. Yeah, so reach is an acronym, and it stands for replenish, which is about sort of what you eat, your diet, that sort of side. E is exercise. A is affirm, which it's essentially affirming a belief in yourself, affirming, you know, it's the mind-body connection. C is cleanse, so getting rid of parasites, bacteria, toxins, all of that. And then H is help and support. Mm-hmm. And so the way I started was really just on diet. And my focus was completely on what they call the endo diet. And I cut out so many foods to the point where I almost had nothing left to eat. And that's why I don't like the word diet. And I don't, you know, sort of greatly advocate the endo diet because to me it's more about replenishing. And that's why we call it replenish because it's how do you replenish what's missing in your body? And with endometriosis, as I'm sure with PCOS, you notice certain trends of things that are deficient. Um, zinc would be common, magnesium would be common, selenium. Mm-hmm. These are some of the common ones with endometriosis. Probably mm-hmm. there's an overlap there. And so the, the, the way you eat, and I don't like the word diet, but you know, essentially the diet that you have is focused on really replenishing your body with everything that it needs. You know, so when you make food choices, it's not just about avoiding things, which sure, there are certain foods that we avoid, mainly because they inhibit the absorption of those good foods that you want. So things like gluten, things like dairy, they can have an inflammatory response for women. And that response is going to thereby affect your gut and your gut health and thereby affect the ability to absorb the nutrients that you want from your food. So for myself, for the beginning, I just focused on diet. Like that's all I did. <laughs> you know, I had the most beautiful diet and, you know, there was, there was nothing. I wouldn't eat out. I didn't, you know, I didn't go out to restaurants. I didn't want to have anything that potentially may not fit into my diet. And I think for me, it was a little bit of a, a control thing, you know, a bit of a control freak thing almost, you know, to the point where it was like, if I eat well, then I know my endo's under control. And that's kind of the mindset I had. And so initially I launched a program called Eat Endo Happy. And I launched it um, to a small group of women and I had some women run through it. But what I noticed as these women were going through it, some of them obviously had some benefits, but a lot of them still had some other things going on. 
they weren't exercising, they had hugely stressful environments they were dealing with, and they were perhaps in toxic environments or, you know, there were bacteria or parasites or things inside the body that weren't being addressed with that. And so that's where I had to almost go, okay, what I'm sharing isn't helping these women. I need to reevaluate. And so I actually took the program down and spent, you know, another six months looking into everything and researching things further and, and working with those women and working out what was going on. And so that's where the REACH technique was born because it was, okay, what we're actually doing is creating the perfect environment for healing. The body isn't, you know, it's not like you take a pill and that fixes the body. It's actually more like you provide the perfect environment. So you give your body the best food, the best, you know, supplements, the best environment in terms of movement. So you're moving your body, you're getting blood flow, you're getting oxygen, you're thinking positively, you're shifting the stress, altering the way you view stress, altering the triggers of stress. You're getting rid of things that may be inhibiting your health, like, you know, if there's an overgrowth of some sort, if there's toxins in the body. And so you're creating this beautiful environment and then your body goes, oh, this is so much easier. I can do my job easier. I've got all the tools I need, as in the nutrients that I need. I'm not bombarded with all these toxins. I can now function better. And that's when the body steps in and does the healing. So it's quite a different mindset shift. And I think a lot of my, you know, women who are in my program, they go, oh, I never thought of it like that. Mm. Because oftentimes we go and we go, I'm going to eat this food because I want this result. But it's, it's not really like that. It's not that sort of simple equation. Well, it's also sort of like um, a, a different way of looking at um, health. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, cutting, cutting out the endometriosis. That's not true healing. It's mm-hmm. the, the reduction of pain and the symptoms are a result of your body coming back into balance. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's, that's quite a mindset shift for a lot of women. You know, mm-hmm. if they, you know, like myself, I mean, I was always under the belief of, I have this problem, I'm going to take this pill, and that's going to solve my problem. Because that's how we're trained, you know, where you go to a doctor, you've got a problem, they give you a pill, and then the problem goes away. <laughs> so I did this with, with hormone. I mean, you know, for a long time, I focused solely on hormone imbalance, because my belief was, well, my gynae said that Hormone imbalance is a trigger for endometriosis. So he put me on the pill. I don't want to be on the pill. So I'm going to find a natural alternative. And so I went out and I researched a bunch of, you know, natural hormone treatments. And I went, okay, I'm just going to replace that. I'm going to go, okay, I have a hormone imbalance. I'm going to take this hormone pill and then that should solve my endometriosis. Mm -hmm. And I did that for a long time. So my, my focus was so much on just diet and supplements in the beginning. And yes, I mean, there are women who manage to get things under control They manage to support themselves through that but I like to look deeper and that's why you know I think you and I are so in sync because it's like what's going on with the digestive system you know what's going on with the liver like why is your liver not able to flush out these hormones mm-hmm. you know we shouldn't be relying on these things yes they can help you through and yes they can help regulate your hormones but the question still has to be there. Why is that hormone imbalance there to begin with? And that's the questions I 
only got to, to be honest, you know, sort of three or four years into my journey, you know, so it's, it does take time. So, yeah. I'm just curious, is there a connection between fatty liver and endometriosis? I think there is. Um, I know there's definitely a liver connection. And I yeah. know that when we start looking at the liver and, and healing the liver and also emotionally, like it's interesting yeah. when you look at Chinese, you know, sort of approaches mm-hmm. to medicine and the connections there with anger and liver and resentment and liver, it's mm-hmm. all related. And that's why the affirm part of the reach technique needed to be in there mm-hmm. because I think we underestimate how much emphasis the body, like for me, my journey only, the pain only really shifted. I mean, yes, I managed to get it down to, you know, sort of three out of 10, but I still had it. And it was only when I started doing the emotional healing stuff, you know, getting rid of the beliefs that I had around myself and my abilities and, you know, because those are stress triggers. So, you know, like I'll give you an example. I always had this belief that I needed to work harder than everyone else. I need to do more than everyone else. I need to constantly people please. And I didn't see this in an obvious sense, but I had a job in advertising and there was a lot of young women in this company and I always felt the need to work later than everybody else. And I, you know, looking back, I didn't understand why that was. And it was only once I uncovered some of the stuff that I realized it was because I didn't believe I was enough just as I was. I needed to prove myself as to, you know, by working harder. And this caused the stress because it was like, you will never, you'll never satisfy that. If you have a belief that you're not enough, no matter what you do, you will never feel that what you've done is enough. Mm -hmm. And so that causes a type of stress in the body. So when you get rid of that belief that I'm not enough, well, suddenly that stress is no longer there. Um, You know, and so this is why, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the program on how to uncover that, but in a gentle way, not in a confrontational way, Mm -hmm. because that doesn't help. <laughs> you know, it just like <laughs> makes you feel worse about yourself when you're just hopping on about all your stuff from your childhood and all of that, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah, there is a huge emotional component. I mean, the amount of um, women who've had history of sexual abuse and, and sort of related to that in some way with endometriosis is quite high as well. So mm-hmm. not to say all women have had that history, but I just noticed there was a lot of connection there with women not embracing womanly, you know, the womanly parts and or womanly nature or their creativity being stumped by that or wanting to be more like a man. There's, you know, so all oh these gosh, things. I mean, so it sounds so similar to PCOS. I think it's kind of like that rejection of the feminine in a way. Mm, mm. Definitely. I know. You know, we're, we, we need to do another podcast where we talk about that. <laughs> and, and I, I do think that there's such a huge connection when you can start kind of healing and, you know, I call embracing your diva. Mm. Um, you know, there, there's so much healing that can happen. And, you know, and, and I also just wanted to comment about what you said about or, um, Chinese medicine and the liver. You know, I, I do think that in the Western world, we just don't um, really – make that connection or you know if you go to to like your your primary care conventional practitioner and say you know I'm thinking about doing a liver detox they'll sort of look at you like or you you know you're crazy I know mine has yeah (laughs) and it's 
and you know, we're, we're recording this where in my, I know you're down, down under, but my half of the world, I see little shoots coming up out of the ground and it's springtime and that's sort of the time of, of the liver and, and to support your liver. And mm. I think that um, for women with PCOS too, it's, it's so critical to love your livers up and we just don't talk about that. So I'm glad you're talking about that, Melissa. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to me, it was a huge light bulb moment when I found Dr. Cabot. She's an Australian GP and she's written a number of books. And when I read her kind of symptoms around poor liver health and then I, I found all this information around family connection with, they call them miasms in Indian, um, you know, Ayurvedic medicine. Mm -hmm. And just realizing my whole family history, you know, all the health issues in my family were all related to the liver and sort of tracing all of this back, you know, to me, it was this huge kind of, wow, you know, mm -hmm. and I got found sort of everything in one go and, um, and then working on the liver and supporting the liver and, and just noticing the huge shifts that it had for my health. Mm -hmm. you know, that's I think why, yeah, I always like to dig deeper. It's it's fascinating to discover how the body works and, you know, having gone back to study now as well where you study the liver, you study how it detoxifies and how everything works and how all these nutrients are components within that. And if you are deficient in, you know, things like B12 and how that affects the ability for the liver to detoxify, you go, oh, hang on a second, I see why this one is important, you know. Right. <laughs> so, right. Um, well, you know, I could, we could go on and talk. I, I feel like you're just a kindred spirit, Melissa. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we're, I, I, we're running out of time. So I would love for you to just talk a little bit more about um, how women could work with you and um, how, can, how they can find you, where they can find you on social media, et cetera. Yeah, so a woman can find me at endoempowered.com. We have a Reach Kickstarter program there where women who are wanting to implement the different components of the Reach technique can start using it. Um, it's a completely free program and gives them some awesome recipes and things like that to get started. Then there is an option to join my program. So I'm in the process now of, of breaking the program up into modules. So based on where you're at in your journey, you can join the program in different parts. So there is going to be a quiz where women can determine, you know, how strong their diet is because unfortunately, you know, some women come to me and they say, Oh, I had the perfect diet. And then once we uncover it, there's some, some components that still need to be added in. But essentially my program takes women through the reach technique over a 12 month period and I've done that for a reason. It is not, you know, a quick six-week program where you just download a whole lot of information and get overwhelmed and potentially never implement anything. What we wanted to create was a way that you could transform your life gradually. And a year from now, you no longer experience pain or symptoms with endometriosis. Um, I'm sure that a lot of the overlap with PCOS would be the same you know I'm sure that we share similar um, approaches but it guides you through everything step by step there's downloads there's videos every single week there's research to back everything and there's a community in it in a space where you can share your journey 
um, and we guarantee results. So if there is no shift in your pain or your symptoms with endometriosis, you get a, re a complete refund because I believe in it so strongly and I've seen the results. So, yeah. Oh, that, that's wonderful. Well, what a great resource for women who are struggling with, you know, the pain of endometriosis. I'm just so grateful that you came on and um, shared your work with us. Yeah, I'm so grateful to share and to, you know, that we are so connected. It's, it's always wonderful when you find a, a kindred spirit who's on the same mission as you and wanting to just change the lives of women out there. Well, I, again, thank you for joining me, Melissa, and thank you everyone for listening. I look forward to being with you again soon. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and learned a little something that can help you along in your journey. For more information about PCOS and PCOS Diva products and programs, visit PCOSDiva.com. This podcast was sponsored by my new book, Healing PCOS. It's my proven 21-day diet and lifestyle plan to help women with PCOS take back control of their health and resolve their symptoms. Healing PCOS offers you daily, small, manageable steps that help alleviate symptoms and control the inflammation, hormonal imbalance, and insulin resistance that underlie PCOS. The 21-day plan consists of a 21-day anti-inflammatory hormone balancing meal plan, including meal prep and plan-ahead tips to make eating like a PCOS diva sustainable, 85 delicious recipes, daily lessons, and self-care exercises. I have helped tens of thousands of women with PCOS take back control over their health and their lives through lasting healing and sustainable lifestyle change. So whether you're newly diagnosed or have struggled a lifetime with PCOS, this book is for you. Find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere books are sold.